This episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, where adventure begins. Check out their website at gamersinlehigh.com. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. All right. All right, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio, where my headphones apparently do not work. That's right. There they go. Now they're working. Gotta love it. So, uh, welcome. Welcome. Uh, We've got a great show. Uh, You know, last week, yeah, Jared and Jessica weren't here. They disappeared. They were getting married. They got married. Hey, congrats. Hooray. They're in in California watching Waterworld and other craziness at Universal Studios, why we're here doing the show, and so yeah, they're on their honeymoon. I guess they deserve a break. And but hey, we got uh, we got AJ here, uh, Greyhawk four x four sitting in. We've got McKay. For those of you that have no clue who McKay is, he's the guy that's randomly in pictures with us at Comic Con. You know, definitely. You know, uh, you you saw the slave layup. Well, that's McKay standing next to her. You know, uh, the Harley Quinn. With the, the with the stuffed hyena and the scooter, that's McKay next to her. Um, yeah, so uh, he helped us out there, so he's on the show standing in for Jared. You know, AJ's just that awesome; he gets to stand in for himself. And then we've got uh, Mr. Rikerbeard himself, Scott. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. Uh, he's also one of the Ghostbusters of Salt Lake, so he was here a few weeks ago representing the yep. undead right here. Yes. Yeah. And it's Halloween. It's October at that time. So, yes, we must talk about Favorite crazy stuff like that. Yes. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so he's standing in for Jessica because, well, he's the, good, he's the best looking person in the room. So, there we go. That is for sure. true. Yes. So, uh, Jessica, too. Is that Jessica, too? Much? All right. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. You did mention earlier it, there's an Audrey, too. So, let's that's go for true. Jessica, too. And the Audrey, too, was a giant, you know, man eating plant. Yes. While the Audrey, one, was a blonde girl. So I think that the comparison matches, right? So you're saying you're a man-eating man? A uh, plant-eating man, maybe? Okay, yeah. plant-eating man. All right. All right, I can go with that. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. like that. Otherwise, we may have to flee the room. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to set the record, though. Jessica 1 is way better looking than Jessica 2. Just, just so that clear. <laughs> that, that is important yeah. to clarify. <laughs> yeah, moving on. <laughs> So uh, we've got a great uh, show tonight. We've got the guys that have designed the Pulsar RPG coming on the show tonight. It's out on Kickstarter right now. Uh, they've still got 23, de- 23 days to fund this thing, and they are halfway, uh, almost halfway to their goal. So uh, we'll bring them on. We'll talk about what this game is. And it, it does look pretty cool uh, from what I've seen. They've got, you know, we'll talk more about it, but it looks like they've got power armor, you know, power that you can wear. And so we'll talk more about that. We'll talk some geek news because it is Halloween. You know, I'm going to cue these guys. To, you know, what are some really 
awesome movies to watch for the month of October because this is something I want to do. You know, and I know that you know there are you know you can go out and get super scary movies where there's blood, death, mayhem, gore everywhere like Saw and stuff like that. But I want some really good ones that are fun as well as you know that do scare the crap out of you but aren't gory because let's just face it that's boring. Well, that rules out the one I was going to mention. That's okay. You can still you can still mention it. I don't I don't have a problem with that. But um, I like being scared, but not by like just tons and tons of gore. You know, like the, what you see in the saw, where you know chest cavities get ripped open and boom, and it's like, all right, that's cool. I can see their heart. All right, moving on. Yeah, that effects guy's really good. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. Um, as well as Paramount's new move with their YouTube channel. I don't know if anyone saw that. So uh, I saw that today. Yeah, right? Paramount's new YouTube channel lets you watch full movies for free. So if you want to watch Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren, oh, yeah, you can go watch it. I know what I'm doing today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing the old Star Trek movies are going to be there as well. Uh, I mean, kind of a bold move. Well, well, it is a revenue stream for them. Yeah. They get, you know, I mean, YouTube... You do make money on YouTube if you can get enough uh, views. And yeah. So, so I, it's going to be interesting how things move. Uh, you know, will this work out for him? Who knows? But, uh, you know, at least they're going to make some money on Masters of the Universe now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they haven't for quite a long time. It's free. I'll watch it, right? Well, it, I, it showed up on Netflix like a few weeks back, and I started watching it. And I'm like, man, I love He-Man, but this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go watch the cartoons again because this mm-hmm. was just horrible. I mean, Gildor, come on! It's supposed to be Orko and this, you know, the Mystic Key that they think is a synthesizer with lights. And you know, Courtney Cox was in that, and she still didn't even save the movie. That was one of the first movies she starred in. Well, I did uh, not know that. Yeah, she was the main girl that was running around with He Man and Tila and Man at Arms, and uh, yeah, that was her long, long before Friends. And she was she was discovered doing a Bruce Springsteen video. She was the girl that he pulled up on stage in the video to dance with him. Wow. That's where she got discovered. I wish Bruce would pull me up on stage so I can get discovered. That'd be awesome. I don't know if I want Bruce Springsteen to pull me up. <laughs> Too old. He might bring his You know, the, bo- the boss. I don't know. I don't know how that guy had a job. Really. I mean, his songs were not, like, lyrically amazing. It just sounded like some dude screaming into a mic, you know. Born in the USA. Yeah. yeah. Sounded like he was having a hernia almost every time. Voice, yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah, but it gets you moving. Granted, there's a few songs that are awesome, but it's still no Bon Jovi or anything, you know, or Duran Duran or anything like that. I would have to agree with him. Yeah. Everything has a classic. Everyone does. And unfortunately, the music I used to listen to is now played on the oldies station, and I feel really that old. Is, yeah, that is very true. You know, I, I sit, you know, I remember making fun of my parents because, you know, they'd always listen to the oldies station. It's like, oh my gosh, I was listening to something. Now I'm listening to the oldies station because it's the only place I can find most of the music I want to listen to. Yeah, it's horrible. I hate that moment when you're listening to a song. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. This is awesome. That's our classics from 19... 19- yeah. What? What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Crap! So, anyways, well, you know, looks like our, our guests have not called in yet, so we can just jump into geek news. We'll move forward on that um, while we're waiting for them to jump in. And uh, I'm going to quickly email them to find, make sure that they've got the contact information. So, 
Is there any topics you guys want to talk about real quick? I'm just excited for as soon as this show is done. I got the beta for this new Star Wars Battlefront on the Xbox One. Super excited. I have heard mixed reviews with it so far, but i got to test it for myself before I know if it's good or bad. But it's Star Wars, so come on. It really can't be that bad, right? Yeah, the, the footage I have seen has been amazing, graphically amazing. You know, And it, I saw the one for the PC. And uh, the only the only detriment that I see is that they don't have a single player campaign, and they did not include mm-hmm. a single player campaign. And and I know that that things or bases uh, seem seem to be going mm-hmm. away from that. But I know there's an awful lot of players, me included, that that love a single player campaign, whether it's Call of Duty or Medal of Honor or whatever franchise it is. We look forward to that single. Well, player I campaign. my this is my thinking. What is the point of this game now? I mean, because, you know, even Halo, I have, well, Halo 1 through 3, and it literally sits on my shelf. I don't play it unless I play with friends, which is great, but be, I still played that solo mission so that I could get, you know, get into the game, understand that, and that was fun. And there was you know? a story. And there was a story. Yeah. You know, and every now and then, you know, I do pull that out and I'll play it. Um, but if that's gone... You know, the only time you can play is online. I, I literally, my Xbox 360 is not hooked on, hooked up to online play. I do not play online. I just hate it because you got a bunch of punk 12 year olds that are calling me every dirty name yep. in the book yep. and sniping me every yep. three seconds. I, you know, I spawn, I take a step, I'm dead. And you get teabagged. Yeah, <laughs> and and I hate that, so I don't play online. But you know, I really hate that we've moved away from the system link. The split screen, where you can have your buddies come over and you can play on the same screen using the same Xbox, or even you know, hook them up, you know, System Link or LAN party, so that everyone's having fun. No, you got to go online. It's kind of like, I hate that. You know, I really love the fact, you know, those old games. That's why I've kept them. Is we can jump on together. We're in the same room or we're spread out throughout the house. Upstairs, downstairs, and we're all playing the same game. We're having fun, even though I'm getting teabagged or killed every second. It's like I can pick up my bag of chips and I can throw it at Scott if he's doing that to me. Right. Oh, it's better uh, in you know. person. It's yeah. like, it's a guy's night, or as yeah. we used to call it, the guy's might. Yeah, yeah. you know. And but everyone's having fun, even though I'm getting the crap beat out of me. But when I'm online and I got that little twelve-year-old being it's that strangers, yeah, yeah it's not fun. I mean, literally, there is no fun. I just want to throw a controller through my screen or out the window or it's just like I hate that. And now that they've kind of taken that away, I'm kind of upset about that. Well the worst part is when you see this guy coming at you, you see the exact same guy killing you time and time again. Yeah. Suddenly he gets close enough so you hear his voice and I'll, oh, I'll hell you're dialed. And you're yeah. like, you gotta be kidding me, right? Yeah. You gotta be kidding me. Well I mean not only that, it's like, okay, I'm playing and I'm unloading like cartridge after cartridge of and I'm hitting him and he's still running at me and then he just like turns his hand and hits me with the back of his of his stupid gun, and I'm dead. Like, with one hit, and I'm like, what the... It makes no sense. Uh, yeah. I, I hate that. Yeah, and unfortunately, I feel like that's how a lot of video games are going right now. It's it's getting rid of the single-player solo yeah. mission campaign stuff. It's all going to online all the time, and it's, yep. it's a little sad for certain gamers because, yeah, they do miss that, and unfortunately, it doesn't look like... It's going to be around for much longer. It's all going to be online all the time. Yeah. Well, extra money. That's there. There are some. Uh, again, I do see some po- sides to it. You know, like a game like Destiny, you have to have it on the server because it needs all that additional 
uh, you know, processing power. That makes sense to me. Um, even that game, does it have a solo mission? Destiny, or I, I don't know. It's I haven't played it. Got a campaign story, but it's still in an open world that other people are yeah. all around you okay. anyway as well. All right. So, but you still have to get connect online, yeah. even though it has a solo. So there, no, but there is yeah. a story to follow. There is a story yeah. to follow, but yeah, it's still connected with all the open world okay. stuff. But so yeah. again, we're back to I hate games that you have to be online. Um, if they could move away, go kind of pull back. I mean, I think that would be great. The, the online games make it so that. Those that want to play online can, and those that don't, don't have to. I mean, I, I think that's the perfect blend, and that's the way they should be modeling them instead of this all online stuff. It, that's just crap. That's my opinion. Yep. Yeah. All action, Amen, all all the time, kill, kill, kill. You know, and that's and that's what it is. Well, I mean, that's and, what that game is. I mean, let's yeah. face it. You you buy, you're buying that game to either kill a bunch of Imperials or to kill a bunch of Rebels. You know that's the whole point of the game, and it's lots of fun because you can jump in a speeder or you know well, you snow speeder or an X Jedi game. Night game. Oh yeah, and and there was stealth missions. I mean, oh yeah, and there was all these different aspects, and you just won't see that. You know, no. Well, I mean, look at Knights of the Old Republic. I mean, yeah. they brought that back. It's on. They've revamped it. It's on Steam. You can get it on your your iPad or your tablet now. Uh, the second one's coming out, and it's. I mean, people are rushing to get it saying something the old solo mode stuff people love that so i don't understand why they're tearing that away when i mean they ha- they've given us something visually stunning i mean right. you look at those graphics and it literally feels like you are one of those snowtroopers running across the the, the the snow fields on hoth and you look up and there's those giant atats walking past you i, I saw the video and i was like oh my this is awesome now just just to think if they could you know you were in a virtual reality simulation it's where it's coming you know i know it's coming you know with the void in that but if you could plug yourself in and you were literally i mean that was all going around you yeah. that would be even more amazing but just seeing that on the screen was just stunning and then i hear oh they're taking away the bases and you're like that's like the whole premise of that game i mean that was so what was so much fun over battlefield Whereas, I mean, Battlefield was just a giant battlefield where you're killing people left and right. Where this was, you could, even if you sucked, you could still win by taking over bases. Yep. You know, now that's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I'm like, okay, maybe I can deal with this. And then the announcement of no solo mission. That was just like, gone, I'm not buying the game. I don't want it. Well, the other observation that I saw was that uh, on the footage I watched, there you can actually look up and see a space battle going on between the Star Destroyers and the Rebel Fleet or whatever going on up there. But uh, the guy I was watching, Boogie2988, he, he was saying that you know there's no way to join in that space battle. You can't. Uh, initially, I guess the idea was that they were going to have it where you could go from land up to, to space in, a, in your spaceship or what, whether it was a TIE fighter or whether it was an X-Wing or whatever it was you know, at, that you were going to be in, and you could join into the space battles, too, and then they nixed that. That got You can fixed. still fly the X-Wing, though, like, on the land, though, right? That's that's my understanding. No, but There's no space battles whatsoever. You'll still have the snow speeder stuff oh, for wow. the uh, walk, the assault on Hoth with the AT-ATs, but no, no space yeah, battles. But the original concept was you'd be able to go up and say, okay, I want to join that space battle, you know, in progress, and go up there and go back and forth. And Back in the old Star Wars Galaxies days, those that remember Star Wars mm-hmm. Galaxies, you actually could do that. When Jump to Lightspeed came out, 
you had your own ship and you could fly from one city to you know to the other from you could go from you know uh, Tatooine to Naboo and in the middle uh, going you know through uh from one to the other you could get attacked by imperials and then you could get there and then you would get a mission and then you'd have to land and go on to land and finish the mission on land and it was it felt completely immersive because you felt like no matter where you went there was things happening yeah. you know well, I mean, one theory that Jared and I have kind of come up with is the solo mission will come, but it's going to be a DLC. Oh. Yeah. And if you want to do space battles, it's going to be a DLC, yep. which I hate. I hate DLCs with a passion. Yeah, it's something that it's almost like, every video game has now. It's not a full game that you're buying anymore. Yeah. It's a game that, well, here's part of it, and you can buy more parts of it later. Yeah, I mean, it's like literally, you go to it. I mean, greatest example is you go to McDonald's, you order a hamburger. All they give you is a bun and a patty. That's it. No ketchup, no mustard, nothing. And if you want that, that's a DLC. Yep. You know, that's that's an extra package over here. Oh, and you want it as a Big Mac? That's another package over here. Um, I just, I really hate that model. I mean, ju- just looking at the games like on the tablets and that, where you know, you buy, you get the game to do all these in-app purchases just to get yep. anything decent. Yeah, it's it's just, I I hate it. Just give me the full game. Yeah. Let me play it. And there's so many different exclusives now, with depending on where you get the game. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Right. About that. I, I hate that, that too. Pre-order from GameStop. Think GameStop. You get this. If you pre-order from Walmart, you get this. And so, in order to get all those things, you'd have, you'd have to order multiple copies of the game. Yeah. You know? I want the sword and the horse. Yeah. I want both. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, Injustice was a perfect example of that that that, that game because if you got it at Walmart, you got the the this this Batman and this Harley, you got it over, you got it from Target, you got the Batman in the, the Yellow Lantern suit, you got it, for, and it was just like, what the crap, so all the, you know, you couldn't get all these things, then all these DLCs came out where, you, could, you know, you had to pay for these characters, and they threw some out for free, just, you know, for kicks and giggles and these packs, and then a year and a half later, oh, they throw out the Ultimate Edition, which has all of that in it, for the same price that I already paid for the first one, not including all the DLCs. Yeah, it's just it's so frustrating. I think the first game I remember really, really, you know, going after you with DLC was Borderlands. The first Borderlands. Yeah. If you go on even now to Steam and you look up all the D- there's like a hundred different DLCs you can buy. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I still remember the Halo ones. I would always wait because they would be they'd cost money when they first came out, but then you wait like uh, what six months yeah. a year, and then they all be free, and you just be like, oh hey. Well, I mean, I'm cheap enough to wait it out. Well, I mean, even with like Halo. The map pack. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just, you, you know, they you could either go on and buy them at DLC, or you waited, and then they gave all of them. For, I mean, it was what a ten bucks for that disc. You just put it in, loaded them up, and you had all of them. Instead, you know, what it was like three, four bucks each map. You know, and you got all of them for ten bucks. I, uh, I just hate DLC. Yeah, and that's something that's bad with what I've noticed with Halo and Destiny. So I do have I've bought every DLC for Halo just because I love Halo. But Destiny, I haven't bought any expansion mm-hmm. before because I it's all right with just the original game. But I can't even play in certain areas with other friends that have bought the DLCs now because it's like, uh, sorry, you're part of this party, but you have you don't have the DLC. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. then it's like they can't go on to the future stuff, or I just can't play with. Yeah, them. I I think that that sucks as well. Um, you know. Like with Skyrim, you know, you had to have the DLCs for that, too. And some of them were okay. I mean, ooh, Hearthrim, you could build a huge super mansion. Yay! That's worth five bucks. Yeah. Um, 
but you couldn't do certain things in the other DLC without having that one. Right. And it's like, uh, it's just so annoying. So, anyways, I think we beat this one. <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about enough. So, let's, uh, let's talk about some other things. So, I, I did talk to the guys. They're actually calling towards the end of the show, so we'll talk to them the last half hour of the show, so we can talk about geek news and all that stuff up front, which is going to be great. And then all of you have to listen to us talk so that you can find out about Pulsars, because it's awesome. Yes. Dangle that carrot. Yes. <laughs> well, that's kind of funny, because that's kind of how last week went as well. So um, uh, we got something calling in right now, so let's jump on here. Dungeon Callers hey, Radio. Uh, Hey, how Hello? you doing? This is actually John Kennedy over with Pulsars. Hey, how are you? Hey, doing great. Sorry for being late. Uh, the translation of uh, time zones actually threw us. We thought it was starting in 40 minutes. Oh, no no problem. I mean, we could have done it towards the last part. That's okay. We can do it now. I don't it, It's We're flexible. We'll roll with it. Yeah, same thing uh, last week, right? Yeah. No, I, I, that's the one thing that always gets a lot of people in the Phoenix area because you guys don't do uh, daylight savings, right? Uh, actually, we do now. Uh, we used to not oh. do daylight savings because we were, like, defiant, and we had our own uh, time zone. But then, yeah. you know, yeah. we joined the rest, of the, the rest of the United States. Oh, okay. So are you guys Pacific time then now? Uh, no, we're Eastern. Oh, oh. I, I'm from Indianapolis. You're in Indianapolis. I'm sorry. Okay. Oh, okay. So the other guys are in Phoenix. Indianapolis yeah, is awesome. Yeah, Ben Warner's in Phoenix. Okay. So, I, I love visiting Indianapolis every year for Gen Con. It's amazing. Um, oh. I don't know if I'd want to live there, though. It's <laughs> it's very green and crazy, and I live in a desert. So, I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> it's too pretty? Is that what you're saying? It's, it's amazing. I mean, they've got large yards, decent-sized houses, big space between houses, which we don't have here. It's like yeah, they're trying want to, all that? They're trying to cram every car, yeah, you know, house. <laughs> and there's trees everywhere. And it's green. Yeah, I'm not yeah. seeing the bad side of this. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm trying to talk myself out of it. Oh, okay. yeah. oh hey, welcome <laughs> like, to the show. You're, you're making it sound better to me, and I live here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we live in a desert, and it's horrible. Um, my backyard is full of sagebrush and tumbleweeds. And dirt and rocks. And the wind blows all the time. And the wind blows all the time. Yeah. This every show not brought to you by the state of Utah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every time I walk out into my backyard, you hear, doo-doo-doo. <laughs> so, so what I'm hearing is if I moved there, I wouldn't have to mow. Yeah, yeah, you could get away with not mowing. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, a buddy of mine actually did a comedy routine about that. He's like, you know, uh, I tried to do this zero scaping thing where, you know, that's where you, you know, let the natural things grow. He's like, so I just quit watering, you know, whatever grew, grew. I, I was good. So yeah, it's crazy. So let's talk about pulsars. Yeah. Because now this is a role playing game. that's kind of designed where your soldiers have power armor. Is that correct? Yes. That's amazing. Um, well, Pulsars is uh, set in the future, and in this future, mankind is uh, fighting what's known as the Long War, which is uh, against the uh, the great enemy in his hordes. Um, and the Pulsars 
are this the one of the last forces that are pretty much keeping mankind safe. And to help them, they're given special suits, which take whatever they are good at and make them even better at it. So it's not just being handed a suit of power armor and being like, okay, here's your power armor, here's your repulsor beams, uh, go fight the Mandarin. It's um, if you were like a detective, if you're an investigator, and your suit allows you to analyze a crime scene, and it's hardwired into your brain, allowing you to analyze evidence like you can analyze fingerprints just by looking at them. And it allows you to pretty much become, you know, an even better investigator or an even better detective than Sherlock Holmes. That's awesome. This sounds like Batman mixed with Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got the you've got the cool suit and you've got the brain of Sherlock Holmes. With a little bit of Iron Man thrown in there. Nice. I was gonna say a little bit of Deus Ex. Ooh. Oh, yeah. 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 I mix this is Pretty cool. I mean, yeah. One thing that I found. I mean, I played D and D last night with my gaming group, and that's the one thing that's kind of annoying. It's like, okay, we've gone into this room, we're trying to investigate things, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna roll my perception check, and oh, just remember, I'm a street urchin, so I have no clue where we are and what these cool hieroglyphics mean. Um, oh, I rolled a twenty. And then I get told, oh, yeah, you know, this, this, and that. And it's like, um, I have no clue what this stuff is. So at least if I'm a super genius, because I'm getting pumped the information, that, w- that would make sense. Yeah. Um, well, it's actually another thing about uh, Pulsars is uh, the system that, it, uh, that it's got. Um, the whole game runs on the wager system. Um, and the wager system is where you can actually make, you know, pretty much make bets against the success of your role. And um, it's a very simple system. Um, you roll a six-sided die. You get a five-plus, you get a success. Uh, the higher your dice pool is, you know, the more dice you get to roll. The higher your specialization is, the lower the number you need is. But you can actually start to make bets against the number of successes you're going to roll and uh, achieve narrative control over the scene. Um, so it's not just, uh, you know, roll, die, get results. It's you can actually tailor what sort of results you're looking for and try to achieve additional successes on your roll. What happens if you lose the bet? Well, that's when you get complications, because if you say you make, uh, you you know, three wagers on your dice roll, and you only get two successes, uh, the GM can then put in a complication, which is usually something that's what you were trying to get, but something went wrong. Uh, so one of the examples that we have is um, if you're trying to hack a computer in the enemy base um, and you're going to make two additional wagers in that not only are you going to hack the computer and get the information on it, but you're going to get a map of the complex and you're going to make all the auto turrets come alive and shoot the bad guys. If you uh, roll your dice and you only get two successes, that means you, uh, you get you know, the information on the computer and you get a map of the complex but the GM might tell you that the uh, auto turrets are shooting at everybody. So they're shooting at the bad guys, but they're shooting at you as well. <laughs> so what, what you're describing is a dynamic critical hits and misses system. Yeah. Yeah, because you've expounded upon a basic you know, critical hits and misses system to add all these other variables in there yeah. that, and, and adding you know, wager to it and everything. That, that sounds very interesting. Mm-hmm. No, I, I actually like the complications thing. Um, there's another system that has something very similar to it, 
And it's always really fun because even though you succeed, like he said, you still have issues. Uh, you know, one example uh, that we I've uh, the, the GM that was running the game explained to me. He's like, "Yeah, you just got into a bar fight with this guy, but you kicked his butt. But because you rolled this and you got this complication, you know, I didn't find out what that complication was until I went to go talk to the mayor because I was, you know, trafficking goods for him. And he's like, "Dude, you just decked my son." There is no way I am doing anything with you now. And it's just like, yeah. I have all these like stolen goods that I can't get rid of now, and they're looking for them. So I, I really love that complication stuff, because even though you're you're still moving the story along, it's making it more difficult for you. So I mean, that's awesome you guys got that in there. And, the, and then the wager thing. So you said you take over the narrative of the story. Does that kind of mean you get to rewrite what the the GM has planned or how does that work? Well, in the game, the GM is is in control of the story, but um, this way, rather than just having the players react to everything that's going on, there's a chance for them to be able to just kind of like, you know, pick up the pen and get not total control, but just get like temporary control about what the outcome is going to be. Um, Now the the system's not designed for you to be like, well, I'm going to make two wagers against opening this door. And the second wager is I become the Highlander. It's, it has to be something that fits whatever is going on. But um, it allows for players to be like, yeah, you know, it would be really cool if I could do something more than just uh, turn the key in the ignition of this car and drive somewhere. Or, uh, man, I really wish I knew, you know, I'm, I'm trying to see if this guy's a king or a baron. It would be cool if I could do something impressive that would impress the king. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I really... involved... Sorry, you can go. Go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say it too. I was reading on it right now. Something I love about the tabletop games too is that there's so many different classes that players can choose from in the game so that each person feels like they're important to the mission, you know, and we need each person with different skills. And it looks like you got five different types of like uh, corps or classes. So tell us a little bit mm-hmm. more about those. Well, the Pulsars, because they're a vast organization, um, it in many ways they're mirrored off of like, you know, like the Nova Corps or the Green Lanterns. Um, that was one of my biggest inspirations growing up into this very day, but they aren't just, um, you know, soldiers. It's not, they're not just, you know, here's your suit, here's a big gun, you know, you, you will fight and that's the only thing you can do. Uh, in order to maintain the peace throughout the rest of the free zones, they have to adapt to every situation. So they've got the five different cores inside the Pulsars, which really just make it so that they're prepared for every situation. You have the defenders, who are the frontline guys. Uh, they are the soldiers, and their suits give them the power to take on battleships and win. Uh, you have the investigators, because part of the game is that there's still very much mysteries going on, and um, the investigators are there to try to figure out, you know, to root up mysteries, figure out who saboteurs are, um, investigate who's been murdered. Uh, and their suits, like I described earlier, make them very impressive detectives. Um, all of the kind of, you know, the pseudoscience you, you see on CSI, we just kind of roll your eyes and go, sure, you have a database for uh, carpet swatches. Of course you do. They actually <laughs> would have access to with their suit. Um, the uh, investigators, not investigators, uh, the explorers, um, because it's a vast galaxy, and there have been repeated wars through the history of mankind, um, and there are relics from ancient civilizations scattered about. And the explorers are seeing what's going on in the rest of the galaxy. And so much knowledge has been lost, and their skill, their 
more adept at exploring, um, traveling the stars, um, researching um, like historical sites. Um, the Mercy Corps, who uh, a lot of people seem to really like, um, they are made up of the uh, the medics, the doctors, uh, the, and the surgeons and the engineers of the Pulsars. Their suits are more utility oriented, where um, a battlefield surgeon can sterilize the environment around him and prepare a number of uh, skills needed or a number of items needed to perform surgery on the battlefield. Um, whereas an engineer might need to fix a reactor on a starship as it's you know falling into an atmosphere, and his suit can actually replicate pieces of the hull so he can attach them. And then finally, you've got the diplomats, and uh, I don't want to say their name says it all, but the diplomats are very much the social people of the Pulsars. Um, the diplomat suits um, are very subtle, but when their suits go active, it allows them to read the mood of the room where their suit is pumping all sorts of information into their head, and they're able to tell, um, like, not psychic and reading people's minds, but their suits are giving them information like, this person seems upset, or this is the ambassador from here. This is all the information that you would need to know to get your job done. Hmm. I don't know if I like those type of politicians. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can, you can read can my mind. That's manipulate creepy. other people I mean, by analyzing. No, I mean it's really cool. I mean, I, I like what the detail you guys have thought into this. I mean, especially the engineers where they can replicate stuff, and uh, the suit does, and so you can build stuff. I mean, that's just that's fantastic. Uh, wow. Are there are there going to be any uh, cross class skills where you can kind of maybe have like an explorer who has some investigative skills and you know other other combinations is that is that built into the system? Actually, yeah. Um, uh, there, because each suit uh, has their primary trees that they go down. We have these trees of um, at, I'm trying to get the proper term for them. Um, They've got abilities and gear that they can add onto their suit to sort of customize how their suit's going to be. You can have a group make three defenders, and you can have three radically different defenders because they'll have different loadouts. Um, and, okay. some, uh, and some of them will be able to, to take equipment that belongs to uh, other cores. So you might have an explorer who, due to just necessity, has some um, has like a, a star drive attached to their suit because maybe they like to... Uh, uh, to the ability to travel faster than light. Or you might have a Mercy Corps who has spent time in a combat zone, and so they've had to get weapons added to their suit. Awesome. Yeah, that that's exactly what I was wondering, is is how much customization and, and cross-class skills you'd have to be able to really be unique, you know, if you wanted to build a unique character. Out of all mm -hmm. that, I just heard Star Drive attached to a suit. <laughs> <laughs> So you can attach a star drive and you can jump through space just in the suit. You don't need a spaceship. Yeah, uh, well, in our, in our universe, uh, they've got a kind of dangerous method of traveling. Um, like they've got, you know, the short little FTL jumps that they can do, but the fastest way to travel throughout the galaxy is making what's called a star dive, where um, they actually, the pulsars will fly towards a nearby star and then activating their star drive just in time to warp, you know, space around them and catapult themselves across the galaxy. Uh, it's ludicrously <laughs> insane. Cause, yeah, because, you know, they're mortal. I mean, these suits make you superhuman, but you're still pretty much flesh and blood. But yeah. um, So these, these guys are literally using stars to catapult across the galaxy, which is actually where their name comes from. Um, 
they're called pulsars because one of the earliest um, reports from the enemy forces was they were wondering who these weird uh, pulsars were. That's pretty cool. I just wonder what kind of dice roll you have to do <laughs> to make sure that you're successful in that kind yeah. of jump. I would not be two. What does that mean? I would not be wagering anything <laughs> on one of those jumps. Wow. Because I could just yeah, see, because um, it, is, it is a star. Yeah. Gravity starts pulling you in. Your uh, your suit's starting to fall apart, and yeah, you screwed up. You're dead. Yeah. Remember that bubble gum that you were chewing? Well, it got stuck somewhere, and now. yeah. <laughs> That wow, okay. So now, you, where did the idea for this come from? Because I mean, like everything comes from something. So where did this start? Well, there's two places. Um, for Pulsar specifically, um, I received a lot of help from um, Ben Warner and Ryan Schoon. Uh, they couldn't be here right now, but uh, this was an idea that literally just one day I'd, I'd had in my head for a long time. And when I tossed it to them, they started giving me positive feedback. And then it went from, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we did this to, hey, how about we actually do this? Um, but a lot of it, you know, from the beginning, it's just stuff that's been rattling around in my head because I've mentioned Green Lantern. I've mentioned Iron Man. Um, I've been reading comics since I was a kid. And um, I, I don't know why, but I really like the, the Green Lantern core. I really like the, Galactic Fetter, you know, the Galactic Peacekeepers with their power rings. Um, you're, you're and of course, I love Iron Man. <laughs> you can't see it, but I have a Green Lantern ring on my hand right now. Yeah, yeah. when you said that, I was staring I, right at his <laughs> ring. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think I was like five or six, and I was in the Lasky program, and they had a bunch of the old 1980s Green Lantern Corps comics. You know, with Hal um, nice. Jordan yeah. and... Uh, the squirrel guy. Yep. Back when Hal Jordan yeah. had gray on the sides of his temples. Yeah, because they had to age him, which was just sort of a. But, but no, just... I, those are great. Those are great comics, and you know that's the Green Lantern Corps is really cool. I mean, if you get into it, they really do a lot, and they've got some cool things. Even though a lot of the aliens aren't very inventive with their their power rings, but. I mean, that's a, a really cool starting point. And then it's come up to what the Pulsars is. I mean, this sounds like a fantastic game, to be honest. Oh, thank you. What's really cool, too, is so um, I, I was just looking at your Kickstarter page last night when I was reading over it. And, I mean, it explains the whole game, but then it's also, there's like a whole story going on with it as well. So it's all like, even if you're not the craziest of tabletop game people, like there's a whole story going on with it as well that's really cool to go read. I want that comic made, by the way. I'm excited enough about just the story to want to see that comic. Ryan, that is like a stretch goal, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, Ryan, um, he has so many ideas. And uh, I think he's plotted, if, if we had the budget, he could just do like a year's worth of issues. But um, <laughs> we just want to do like just the one issue. But he's got so many ideas and he's been really excited about doing it. And um, he's done a lot of writing um, for, like, a Green Ronin. Um, and really just he's – we're very practical with this Kickstarter. Uh, all the money is really funneled towards let's make the book, let's make a, the best book that we can. But with the comic book, I know that he's just – he's hoping that we could at least come close to that number. Because I know, when, I know he, he is a huge comic fan, and he just wants to, to make one of the many stories in his head. 
I think he's got like six stories he's told me about. The, the, wow. the enthusiasm that he has is just amazing. Well, I mean, what's really cool, I mean, you guys still have 23 days left, and you are almost halfway to your, your goal, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, there's a lot of Kickstarters that, you know, they they don't always make their goal. You guys started pretty low. Um, but I, it looks like you guys are going to hit your goal. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I don't see you guys having any trouble funding. I really no. don't. Let alone getting well, all these cool extras. Um, we, we're really grateful for everyone who's backed. Um, uh, I, one of the things that went quickly was, um, I believe it was the Hero of the Core thing where people got to design their own heroes for the game. We're debating adding another one in there so we can give people who are interested in that a second chance to uh, snag their own. Yeah. Um, but no, we're just, like, uh, the first day when we made almost $1,000, and it's like, oh, wow. I mean, I, I, I was just so humbled and grateful. And, um... Really, because, you know, the fans, it's nice to know that this isn't just a story where, you know, it's nice to know that I'm not just taking uh, the fan fix that's been in my head <laughs> and uh, and turning it into a ah, horrible space RPG. Well, I can see how it might have started like that, but actually reading through this, this, this doesn't even come across as reading the storyline as a fanfic. This comes across as something independent on its own. I can see where inspirations have come in, but it just... It feels like it's got a life of its own now. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, just like um, I just wanted to say it doesn't feel like a fanfic. Now. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I was going to ask: um, Did any of the old did any of the old school um, space RPGs did any of those have an influence on you guys? Because I'm the the vintage gamer of the group, and I remember games like Metamorphosis Alpha and Gamma World and Star Frontiers and all that. Did it, did any of that you know help influence you guys? One of the things that influenced me when I was a teenager was Rifts. Um, okay. Yeah. And like, and I like Glitter Boys and um, uh, the Mecha Pilots. Uh, uh, what was the German uh, Federation called? Triax or Triad? And all I think their Triad. Um, yeah. Um, just like Rifts was just a big part of gro- uh, when I was growing up. Um, a lot of my friends were in that. Uh, in that first gaming group, are still my friends today. Uh, also, Traveler. Uh, oh, yeah, Traveler. I, I, I... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that's one of the classics that, that um, in that group there, you know, Traveler was one of the, you know, that was not too long after D&D, you know, got established and everything that, that you saw Traveler come out, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years ago when they did, I think they did a Kickstarter for Traveler, and there was an option to pay a lot of money, but you got to be a duke in the game. And if it wasn't for the fact that I was, you know, like just starting out and I had bills to pay, I was tempted to just put, I think it was like 400 bucks just to be listed as a duke and traveler. But I was so tempted because, I mean, come on, it's traveling. You get to be a duke. Yeah, and this lasts forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine justifying that the people being like, what? So we can barely make rent this month. I get to be a Duke, a space Duke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, this is kind of one of the cool things about where we are at this point in time is, you know, in the past to get a game like this out, you had to go through a company that was willing to publish it and that. And now, you know, we can just, you can just jump on a Kickstarter and go right to your target audience. And there, I, there's hundreds of thousands of millions of people out there that are willing to contribute. 
a portion of their money. I mean, just like you, you 400 bucks to be a, a space duke, you know, and, you know, you are a part of that game now. Uh, just like, you know, your highest pledge, the 150 mark, where you could be a hero of the corpse. I mean, people love that. And now they are an integral part of that game forever. And I mean, that's just awesome. And these type of games can come out. I mean, I don't know if there's a you know a publishing a game publishing company out there that would say, oh hey, I'm going to take a chance on you guys. Sounds cool, but you know you've never published anything before. Now you can do this through Kickstarter, and this you know when this becomes a success, you know you can go to those bigger guys and they're like, oh yeah, you guys did awesome. This is pretty. We want this game. Yeah. Um, or you just stay mm-hmm. independent. You just keep pumping more stuff out through Kickstarter. I, it's amazing how many different game design companies go through Kickstarter now. Uh, it, it, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, Kickstarter can be very, like, like one, um, it, le- it lets you know if people like your product. Because um, if you have a game and you may think it's the coolest game ever, but if no one backs it, then you immediately get the feedback of, okay, whatever I'm doing now is not working. So I haven't spent money, so I'm not out any money. If Kickstarter mm-hmm. is free... So it's a great way to just kind of like, you know, check the room and see what's going on. But it's also, a, it lets um, backers have a little bit of confidence because it doesn't take their money until it backs. And so they're like, hmm, I don't know if I want to give this guy 20 bucks. What if he doesn't give me a game? With this one, we've done the math and uh, we've freelanced for years. So we have a really good idea with, um, with um, the numbers of what it would take to make a game. And we've also talked to several of our friends who work with other companies like um, Eloy Lasanta over at Third Eye Games. And so we know the the numbers we need to make the game. And we the Kickstarter hasn't been padded, so we're not going to make like, you know, we're not adding in like two grand just so we can all buy computers. The numbers that we have on the Kickstarter are what we need to get the people their products. Hmm. Nice. That's amazing. It's always a good thing to hear. You know, yeah. you know that your money's going towards something that it's towards the core. Well, and towards the core, obviously, because yeah. it's the core. Yeah. I, see, I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I'm not that smart. Well, I mean, I, I really like, you guys have some really good options. Of course, I mean, you got the dollar or more one, which everyone has. But, I mean, even at 15 bucks, you're receiving a PDF copy of the game with any uh, unlock goals, and you get the PDFs of those. 25 bucks up, you go, you, you know, you get the PDF and a soft cover copy of the book. So, I mean... You guys have some really reasonable amounts. Jump up another ten dollars, and then you get a hardback, co- you know, a hardcover copy. Yep. I mean, you go out to mo- any most game stores now, and a hardcover copy of your your core book is like fifty, 50 bucks. 50 bucks. Yeah. I mean, thirty five yeah. bucks is not bad at all, to be honest. You know, plus you get you also get a PDF of that and a PDF of any additional stuff, and then it just keeps adding on from there. I mean, you guys did a great job at designing the dollar amounts and what you guys get or what we as uh, contributors get for, for our dollar. So that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I, go ahead. Well, no, it, it's, a, uh, this is my first like 100% solo project. So, um, I want people to feel like, you know, they can, they can, I, I don't, I don't want to charge people 60 bucks for, uh, a book from a guy that they may have heard of, but really it's just, Hey, this company, like you said, you don't, they haven't released anything yet. And also, we just want to go with a very practical design. Um, I would love to make a 500-page, all-color, hardcover book 
but um, but that's not really it's not outside of my abilities. It's just more of a for a first time game and to introduce you know pulsars to the world. You know, start reasonable, not start small, but you know start reasonable. Right. There's always time to expand. You know, later you can always you know, make whatever you want after the fact. You know, you can expand on it. You can do, you know, um, you can do modules. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Can I can I jump in and ask? Yeah, a go quick, ahead. Uh, like, change uh, the direction question. So for me, I love the heroes that you built up here. I love the classes. It's really exciting. But something that really gets me like jazzed about a game like this are the villains. Are the people that I'm going to be going up against? And I see in your your Kickstarter that you've got reanimators. And then you mentioned something about the main villain. Could could you explain a little bit about about the villains, about the people that you go against? Yeah. Um, so the principal opponent in Pulsars is called the Enemy, and he has a real name. But at this point in the war, um, he is referred to as the Enemy, you know, the capital E, because he's kind of evolved beyond just being, you know, a, a physical fo- uh, foe. You know, he's the boogeyman. Um the government talks okay. about the enemy's tr- troop movements on, on the news. Uh, parents will warn their children to uh, mind their manners and go straight to bed, or the enemy will get them. There's propaganda art everywhere of, you know, um, like in World War II, you know, loose lips sink ships. But in this one, you know, there's pictures of the enemy in the background. It's just this big, formidable foe that everyone knows that they're fighting against them. So while the enemy's real name, he's known as Czar, and he is a uh, big honking space dragon that's about the size of a small moon. But really, it's his reputation and his legend that inspires so much fear. So almost like Sauron. Yeah, kind of. Um, the size of a moon. <laughs> a moon. Sauron that's, was a giant eyeball no space the size of a mountain. <laughs> so similar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, the... Um, uh, actually, um, uh, the reason yeah, he's big and he was at the beginning of the war, he was flying to other planets, um, pretty much destroying everything this way. He seemed like the invincible foe until um, not long after the Pulsars were introduced. Uh, the last Pulsar Legion uh, fought him in what was known as the Battle of the Point, where um, the great leaders and heroes of the Pulsars flew a black hole device down his throat. And so now the enemy is stuck halfway in a uh, halfway inside of a, a black hole. But he's kind of a weird creature. Uh, when he entered our universe, he messed with physics, and his very presence causes the laws of reality to just break down. So even though he's trapped halfway in a black hole, it appears like he is clawing his way free, and he is trying to slowly remove himself from it. Wow. This is a comfort. Very comforting, I might ask. <laughs> that is awesome. This is creepy. <laughs> he has yeah, the strength um, to crawl out of a black hole. How the crap do you defeat something like that? That is yeah. amazing. And, and, you know, we all think of, we all know black holes. We all know that black holes, you know, they're not just like from the, the Disney movie Black Hole. Um, it He should have been destroyed, or at the very least, being pulled into... Uh, a tiny, tiny little point of matter for all eternity. But somehow, he is breaking free. And so it's his forces that you're fighting against throughout these campaigns? Yep. 
Um, and so it also looks like he, uh, pretty much in this story, it looks like the enemy's just winning everything. They're taking over the entire galaxy, and it looks like we're trying to defend the last of the free zones. So I guess, could you expand more on that? Like, what, what, what is with the zones on in the game? The free zones are the areas, the last areas of space, which are free of enemy control. Um, mankind got pushed back to our spiral arm. And mankind used to have stretched out all across the galaxy. Now the free zones are full of millions of refugees, some of whom were from warring factions, now trying to survive. And while space is huge, and you would think that the amount of land people would need to live is near unlimited, millions of people have been forced from their homes and now are just, they live in the worst conditions. Where once there was a golden age, so much like the Federation from Star Trek, now it's just a brutal life um, where there's barely power, there's barely running water. And the Pulsars, their free zones are massive. So imagine if there was one cop for um, the middle of L.A., just one police officer in the middle of L.A. Wow. <laughs> so there's a dystopian aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, the game has a very uh, important mechanic to it known as strain. Um because the game is very much about you put on the suit, you're a hero. You're standing the line against bad guys, and you've got more power than you know a battleship put into, put into your hands. But a very important part of the game is the psychological toll that it would take on a person in that situation. Because pulsars aren't diluted. When you put on that suit, you know that usually there's two ways you're getting out of it. One, you die. The other one, you become so injured, the suit is removed from you. That is the reality of Pulsars in the future. And what I wanted to do, because um, I have a lot of friends who are military vets, um, and I've also worked with charities in the past, like the the Julian Center here in Indianapolis, uh, that deal with, like, you know, um, emotional abuse, um, um, domestic issues, and... Pulsars is just a, a very careful attempt to try to show what it's like to have all the power in the world and at the same time for it not to matter. So is that how you bring the, the post-traumatic stress disorder into the, P- the PTSD? That's how you bring it into the characters? Mm-hmm. Um, because strain is both physical and emotional. Because you're you're imagine you're, you're something hot wired into an F thirty five. You know you you sit down inside the jet. You're bonded with the jet. It is a completely alien thing to your body. You might not have the physical ability to pilot the thing. And now also imagine you are a soldier patrolling a free zone, where there's thousands of people there who might not even like you. Because not every pulsar gets assigned to a zone that they like. And so you're walking through trying to maintain order between warring factions, knowing that there is a massive alien armada that could swoop in and destroy everything. So while there's that sense of heroism in the game, it's also it wants to give a very real look at, um, uh, like I said, if you're in a rock and a hard place, you know, if you're pretty much stuck between, this is horrible. And on the other hand, this is so much worse. And it's really, for me, it's more of an attempt to kind of give a little bit of empowerment to people who have ever found themselves dealing with that 
it's a chance for someone who might be dealing with PTSD to actually sit down, make a character, make, you know, the, the medic they always wanted to be or make the soldier they always wanted to be, and they can actually role-play out those issues. And so they can kick butt, you know, destroy legions of enemy soldiers, and then other people can see just how horrible it would be to be a soldier. I mean, how great it would be to be a soldier, but also all of the, like, the negativity that comes along with it. So how does that play affect the character that you're playing? Because, um, I mean, does it have negatives to your roles or add more complications? I mean, because honestly, as the gameplay goes on, that character is going to feel that stress, especially with all the... Yeah, how does that manifest? How does that manifest? How does it manifest itself mechanically in the game? Physical strain um, affects the number of um, components you can put on your suit and um, how well you can use some of your components. Sometimes physical strain uh, takes place where um, you lose an ability, where say that one of the things you have is you have what we call C-beam emitters. C-beams are cutting beams, which are just, you know, uh, bright plasma lasers, essentially. Um, uh, Maybe because of the result of some of the physical strain, you lose access to your weapons. Or maybe because of, um, uh, because your suits function off energy, because from physical strain, you might lose the ability to store excess energy. With emotional strain, um, it starts to take place like as actual quirks you develop in play. And the game isn't supposed to be like how Markavians um, and Vampire the Masquerade were viewed for many years, how it's not just, oh, you get agoraphobia. While outside, you wave your hands in the air and scream. It's more of a, okay, you have developed this crushing fear of the dark. Anytime that you're in a dark place, you immediately take on these role-playing aspects where you're tense and on edge, and it starts to affect your skill rolls. Okay. I, yeah, that that makes sense. I like the fact that it affects no, no. the skill rolls. Yeah. And it, it's not a game, like I said, I'm not out to punish people. So this isn't a game where after two sessions your character is going to be uh, unable to use any of their powers and he's not going to be able to make any rolls. The, from the very beginning, we wanted to make a game that was just both sensitive to these issues, but also, like I said, very empowering, so that someone who may deal with this stuff from day to day can sit down, make a character, and you know, just, just be the badass they've always wanted to be. Well, it sounds very compelling to me. The, the, the well, it does. I, I, I like faults in a character. You know, when things get to a point where you really have to fight through it because you're not Superman. You're not just charging through, beating up everything. There are complications. There are faults that you have to overcome. And, you know, the fact that these characters are getting, you know, overwhelmed and then your skill that's affecting your skill roles, it just makes you have to think outside the box to be, to overcome that obstacle. And I really enjoy that in, in games. And, so, um, you know, past versions of D&D and stuff like that, you kind of, they, they lost that. And so, and I think that's why a lot of people have turned towards other games and looking at other sources because that's what we all crave. You know, we're we're flawed, complicated people, and that's what we attach to and we enjoy. That's what we love mm-hmm. about the modern superheroes. Yeah, they are flawed people, and that we see that flaw. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, just looking at the the latest Avengers movie, you know, uh, Age of Ultron. How many people can still remember and laugh and love that moment when you know? When one of the superheroes swore, and you have Captain America saying, language, you know, 
and then <laughs> and then they razzed him the rest of the movie. I mean, that's what made it so fun is they kept razzing him over and over, and you know, and we love those flaws. We love seeing uh, the way the Hulk is affected by what he's doing and the other characters. So I, I, I like that you really brought that into the game. Well, yeah, you you mm-hmm. basically created, uh, in addition to the external conflict, you know, good guys versus bad guys, you also have added an internal conflict. Yeah. Which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That, um, like I said, it, it sounds like a complicated game on the surface, because um, I know when I start throwing out things like, yeah, you're so great physically, but then you could become worse. But really, it's just about making people think. And it's also a very more natural and organic way for people to accumulate strain. It's not just like, you know, the GM's not hammering people after each session. So it's not yeah. just, oh, I don't like the guy's character. Eh, take this strain. <laughs> no, I, I'm taking it as a challenge. I think that sounds fun for yeah. me, you know. As maybe a new gamer, I could see where people would be wary about that. But as a, an experienced gamer, you know, that's like a challenge. It's like, okay, I'm going to be going in toe-to-toe with this massive army of death and destruction. I know it's going to beat me up, and I just have to figure out a way to keep surviving, even though I know this strain's going to be coming on me. Uh, you know, Iron Kingdoms is a really fun game, but it seems like the more you play the less fun it gets because you become like this super power. I mean, I've, I was playing a pirate thief and by the time we ended after a year of playing, I was like, and I, you know, these other guys around me were like doing multiple attacks and magic and all this. But, you know, and I started off like I could only poke someone for like maybe four points of damage. But by the time I ended, because of the way I built my character and designed it, I was doing like, I only attacked once, but I hit every time, and I did massive amounts of damage. And that was kind of cool at first, but then it kind of got boring. Because there was no challenge. There was no challenge. Yeah. But if I had something like, okay, yeah, I still had that, but every time, you know, I would, I had other things affecting me. And, you know, determining, okay, I can go hit that guy, but if I go attack that guy, I'm going to suffer these penalties. Or if I go attack that guy, I got a different set of penalties or challenges. It would make it more fun because then every battle is different, and I have to think. Yep. You have to strategize yeah. in your own mind. And it's not yeah. just like, all right, I'm going to go hit that guy, and then hit that guy, and then hit that guy. Yeah. Yep. Grab the loot and go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so this sounds exciting to me as an experienced gamer. So, And, and I understand it's not going to be like, oh, hey, suddenly, bam. Uh, I got all these challenges. It's going to be organically. Gradual. It's going to yeah. gradually yeah. add on. So that, that's fantastic. Just as long as you don't develop a fear of heights when you're trying to do the pulsar into the sun. Yeah, thing. you're trying That's... to star dive. Yeah. You know that if actually, uh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> she has so far a uh, high tower. Um, that's her problem. Where um, she's used to flying in space, but because she's been in space for too long, now she and she's had a a couple of close encounters with enemy starfighters. Now she's kind of become uh, uh, she has a little bit of a fear of the dark. Awesome. I, I love that. I love that There's a, these characters have faults. You know, she's been up there so long. She's been in some really nasty fights. She's now afraid to be up in space well, and it's alone. Log- it's logical. It's lo- it is. Yeah, yeah it is. It makes sense. It does. So, wow. All right. So, this is out on Kickstarter now. 
Um, mm-hmm. There's 23 days left. You guys are almost halfway to your goal. Everyone listening, go. I mean, this is a this. I mean, this is like a a no, you know, no brainer. This is an awesome game. I mean, I'm excited. I'm putting it on my list. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna do it. I mean, so cool. And, uh, every and everybody, back. sorry, everybody who backs the Kickstarter gets to play in our uh, metafiction game too. Yeah, that's that's what McKay yeah, was going to say. Was, I was just reading that here is that yeah, each per, each backer gets their own custom piece of fiction that will be sent to them and part of the actual game. Like that's so cool that yeah. everyone involved, whether it's a dollar, one hundred fifty dollars, you're part of this game. Yeah, that yeah, and they can go and play it on our Facebook page, um, and people are trying to piece together where their fiction goes, and uh, so people are trying to learn more about the story of what's going on while working with other players. Nice. Hey, even if I'm a farmer that dies on some rogue asteroid, I'm still a farmer that got destroyed on some rogue <laughs> asteroid. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I mean, I, I mean Uncle Owen is still cool. Yeah, I mean <laughs> everyone talks about him. Yeah, exactly. He's a corpse crispy, now, but everyone, good. yeah, you know, extra crispy, but everyone still talks about Uncle Owen and his blue milk. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> blue milk and yeah. uh, cabbage soup. <laughs> so, um. Now, where can our listeners go to find you guys so that they can, you know, follow you, find out what's going on with the the development of the game as well as the Kickstarter? Uh, right now, we're doing a lot of our uh, updates from our uh, Facebook page, which is Smug Pug Games, and they can find us on Twitter at Smug Pug Games. Um, we hope to have a website up soon. Uh, we kind of hit some snags with that, but we'll have a website up pretty soon. Um you know, just just normal things. You know, just you know, fell behind on getting the website up because we were focusing more on making sure the the Kickstarter was really good. But uh, no, go to our uh, Facebook page, um, Smug Plug Games, and if, if people have any questions, uh, they can ask me on Facebook uh, or Twitter. All right, so there it is. Go find Smug Pug Games, which is still a cool name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look for Pulsars. Uh, back this one. I mean, really. Like we were saying earlier, most games out there, if you want a hard cover of the actual book, it's 50, 60 50 bucks. bucks minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Mm-hmm. You can get that for 35 You're part of this game, and you get the PDFs. I mean, and if you can't, you know, even then, 25 bucks that gives you a soft cover of the game. You still get everything that you need to, to run this game. Um, just looking at some of the artwork, yeah, it looks fantastic. You can be a farmer on the moon. You can be a farmer on a rogue asteroid oh, and get sorry. killed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, we've had um, Tony Parker, who's done comic books. He did our cover. And we have Chris Dunn, who uh, has done a lot of our concept art and is doing a lot of our finished art. Yeah, this is just... Really? And it looks like estimated delivery is about going to be May of 2016, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still a ways out there, but honestly, most other Kickstarters I've seen, I mean... Let's see. Uh, I backed another one earlier this year. I that wrapped up in January, and I still don't have the stuff. It's it. Just, I just got noticed it's shipping this week. So I mean, it's not really unusual to see. No, I was going to say that's out. about reasonable yeah. for something that's you know going to be hardcover paper in your hand, you yeah. know, type of a thing. That seems about a, a reasonable yeah. turnaround. No, that definitely is. So I mean, well, that's what six six months roughly. About six months. Yeah, about six months. Um, we we have a lot of the fiction written, and we have a lot of the artwork already on the way. 
Um, if we do hit delays, it'll be if we have to add more artwork. Um, oh, darn. Uh, the comic, yeah. the comic will probably get uh, would push us back uh, probably a couple months, but we really are aiming to have the book ready in time for Gen Con. Um, so we're, we see it getting done by May. All right. Well, I will be at Gen Con this next year, so uh, we'll have to run back into you guys and uh, and then see the final product and talk to you more. So, you know, thanks for coming on the show tonight. We really appreciate it. Uh, everyone, please, you know, invest in this game. This will be a game that you will love. I mean, where else can you r- jump into a freaking star and get thrown <laughs> across the universe? Not even <laughs> Superman does that, for crying out loud. Um, this is just awesome. It's really cool. I like how you guys have designed the classes. I like how you can, you know, as we were talking about earlier, you can kind of combine different components to have a unique type of class designation. This just sounds like an overall well-thought-out and fun game. Agreed. So congrats to you guys on that one. Let's have a guy's might with this one. Yes, guy's might. Yes. I like that term. I might have to steal that. <laughs> oh, no. Here it goes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, again, you know, thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, keep in touch. And, you know, when we get closer, you know, let's bring you back on. Uh, when When the book is done and you guys can show it off, and we'll definitely find you at Gen Con so that we can... Because uh, we do Definitely, lots of um, video interviews. I know, yeah, I know that um, um, Ryan and Ben really wish they could have been here. Um, they just had like uh, schedule conflicts and family issues come up. Um, but you, you were happened. both talking to them. Um, their 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 support and their love for the setting has been amazing. And I couldn't have done this without them. Nice. Well, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you guys have come together as a team. And so, yeah, please, you know, keep in touch. You got my email. Uh, we'd love to have you guys come back. When after this is funded, because it is going to fund, we're, we're just going to put it out there. Yeah. It's funding. I don't yeah. see uh, and then we'd <laughs> love to have you come back. And we'll talk more about it because this this is a fantastic game, and I I definitely want our listeners to see what what's developed from this. So yeah, cool. All right, thanks guys. All right. Well, again, Thank thanks, John. Thank you. Nice to talk. Have a great night. Yeah, you too. Bye. So that was Pulsars. Uh, that was John Kennedy talking to us uh, about this really cool RPG that's out there. Uh, seriously, they only have a goal of 4,000, which is not a huge goal. Um, I've seen several RPGs out there that have, you know, they they've thrown out a forty thousand dollar goal or fifty thousand. I was going to say twenty thousand is pretty yeah. common. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it is reasonable to start with a lower one. And if they go over that, hey, that's just bonus money for them. So please go out, rush out there. This sounds like a fantastic game. If you're into role-playing games, you want something different, this sounds like uh, that's that's your uh, that this is for you. So, um, all right. So, Smug Pug Games. That's who you need to go look for on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Kickstarter. Just, Kickstarter. Yeah, just go look them up. Um, Pulsar's tabletop role-playing game. If you want to do a search on Kickstarter or Google, that'll pull that up as well. I did a search just for Pulsar's, and yeah. it, was, it was the number one result. result. And the reward system, I mean, literally, it is not bad. If you don't want, you know, just PDF, 15 bucks, you're in, you have the game. That's seriously really cheap. Yep. Um, I mean, I backed... A, That's, I mean, a Kickstarter, and I, I paid 20 bucks, and I only got dice. I was going to say, 15 <laughs> bucks is like, what, three... Pumpkin spice lattes. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know. And what's cool is you can replay this game over and over and over. It's not just one and done. So, uh, the thing I love about role playing games is it is never 
the same. It is re- replay value over and over. You could be sitting down with the same group of guys playing the same character. I mean, they could be they could draft and create the same character, and it's a complete. It you change. run. Yeah. You can run the same story even, yeah. and it's com- completely different outcome because everything will be different. Yep. The what their their choices they make, the way they play the character, the way they talk, the their behavior, everything is different. That's what I love about role playing games. Um, I'm just excited about the fact that not only do you gain your strengths, you also gain your weaknesses, your, yes. your humanity. You have to deal with yeah, way. you have and to I deal with And that's one thing that I really those, those are the things that I really miss from role playing games. You know, like you know I'm a huge fan of D&D. I played it for years. Fourth edition I hated because it seemed like all they were looking for was to be a super-powered hero that could just devastate everything in your path. There was no real story there. There was nothing I could connect to my characters because, you know, I love Superman, but the thing I love the most about Superman is the human side where he's still struggling to have a relationship with Lois. He's still right. struggling to have the day job and how does he balance that with Superman. That's what's so cool about Superman other than the fact you know, I could care less that he can fly in and can beat up every bad guy in his path, and you know, and he, he's pulling his punches. That's not the cool part. It's that weakness, that flawed side that he's trying to to deal with. Well, and he always struggled with his identity. Yeah, and he struggles yeah. with his identity. Yeah. You know, because you know, am I Kryptonian? Am I human? Yeah. Because I've yeah. lived here all my life, and and I know, find these I find these crystals, and they're telling me things. Yeah, it's like it's just something on a screen to me. But yeah, is it real? You yeah, know? see, and that's what really draws me to that character. You know, and everyone and I have tons of people like, Why do you like Superman? But it's those very aspects. You know, the thing I love so much about, you know, Hal Jordan uh, with Green Lantern is because, you know, he's got this super powered ring, but he still can't get the girl because he's always late to the date. He always screws up. He still somehow saves the day, even though the rest of his life is in chaos and in pieces. He still struggles and still tries to do what's right, and I, I think that's awesome, and that's kind of what it seems like this game is going to bring uh, to the table, is you're going to have, you're going to be a super-powered being that can look at a freaking thumbprint, you know, just like you know, you know, Batman, the Arkham games, you know, you can do all that cool detective stuff. And that's what drew me into yeah. the Arkham games, was that detective aspect. Well, yeah, but at the same you know, time, even though you have, yeah. yeah, but even though you have all that cool stuff, you still have to duck and hide as Batman, because you can get your butt kicked seriously quickly, um, and I, again, that's why I think a lot of people love the Batman characters because he's got all the cool toys, he's got all the cool gadgets and that, but he can still get the crap beat out of him, and he still beats the crap out of other people. And I think you're going to get this out of this game. So, and uh, you always had the scarecrow uh, messing with your mind. Oh yeah, oh. you know. So there's that there's that kryptonite kind of you know thing for yeah. Superman. You had the scarecrow with this mind-altering stuff, you know, that you always had that. Well, I think Batman has some of the coolest villains, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Superman has, I think, kind of uh, kind of mediocre pansy villains, even though they're, they're, you know, you've got the super strong ones or you've got the more human ones. There's, I mean, what can you do as a villain to put against Superman, really? I mean, it, it's not really... An easy task, you know. But Batman, where he's human and mortal, you have these—you still have these mortal villains, but they're crazy, they're twisted. You know, the Penguin. I mean, even if you just watch Gotham right now, the TV series, the Penguin is so Fantastic. amazing. Oh, I love him so much. That character, you know, I, and I've never really liked the Penguin, but this iteration of the Penguin on that 
show is amazing. You know, and I, I'm going to throw a spoiler. I don't has any has anyone seen the latest episode of Gotham? I did. Okay. I, I watch I, it yeah, religiously. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I've only seen half of it. Well, I know a lot of people have been kind of upset about this one character that they're building up as the Joker, and then something happens in the last episode, and you're like, "Whoa!" I mean, it's that like mind-boggling. It's like, yeah, we can't say. No, I, I did not see that coming. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that because yeah. now you have to go watch it. I'm really excited, uh, just because you know the Joker is is literally the anti-Batman. Yep. You know. He does not care. He doesn't have a moral code in his bone, blah, blah, blah. He is the exact mirror uh, of Batman, in my opinion. Um, And that's why they go so well head-to-head against each other. And the Joker... But the Joker really has no superpowers. He's just crazy and doesn't care. He'll do whatever. Just wants to see the world burn. He does. He just wants to see it burn. Um See, that's what I'm saying. And those, it's those so amazing. villains. I love, yeah. like, the, I don't want to say powerful, but I want to say human. Yeah. Human. They well, aren't, they're not villains. They're not evil. They're just they're, they're just characters, and they have those motivations that, yes, are evil, usually, like yeah. the Joker. But he's still, like, such an in-depth character that you just, you can't help but want to know more. Yeah. You know, speaking of, of Gotham, the, the other character that's really, and they're really taking their time developing it, is the Riddler. Oh my gosh! They, and they're doing such a good job, just giving you a little bit here, a little bit there, and and you're just in your own, and then in your mind, you're kind of putting everything together, and you're saying, "Wait a second, that, uh, that's how he becomes." Okay, so I hated the character. You know, watching, I'm like, "What the crap? Genius!" Seriously, after so, I mean, I I quit watching the series. I re I couldn't stand it. Jared and Jessica said, "Keep, keep watching it." Yep. You so it. I went to watch. The first episode of the second season, so I can, see, you know, because they have the villains rising. And I'm like, okay, I want to watch it so I can at least talk about it on the show. I watched that. I had to go back and watch the rest of the season because that character polarized me enough to go, oh my gosh, I missed a lot. Be- and, you know, because and you he- find yourself rooting for him in a way. Yeah, and then you also say, well, well, somebody just turned evil. I know. <laughs> at the same time, you know, and I, I really love how they're building up the villains. You know, so that when Batman finally emerges, and and I I know this is at Gotham, they're going to run like Smallville, where all this stuff is going on, and then you're going to see him in the freaking suit at the very end, and then you're going to go, ah! <laughs> you know, that's really how it's probably going to pan out. But I love how they're developing Selina. I love how they're yes. developing the Penguin and you know the Riddler. I want to see more of Ivy, you yes. know, because she's kind of disappeared. Yeah. Yes, you're right. But right. let's see her pull back in. I mean, but there's so many villains. I mean, and the backstory for Alfred. I mean, yeah. they've done a real good job with they have. establishing Alfred. You know, you and know. I know they're going to be bringing in the Court of Owls in this season, which is something that we've seen with the new Fifty Two, and it, you know, which could be really cool if they do it right. Um, I'm just excited about Barbara. Is that bad to say? I really that like she's watching gone, Barbara. That she's gone crazy and twisted? Are you to say that? Is that... Yeah. No, well, no. well, well it's, it's, season it's, it's, one. <laughs> we know it's season one. Netflix, one. Okay, yeah. So. Season one. Really. She, I want to see where they go with her. Because some things I've seen, I can see Harley. Yeah. Quinn. Oh, I didn't think about that. But I know, I know that's not her character. Right. But I can see some kind of build-up for that, with because of, with Jerome and things that happen uh, in the next in this season. So, but 
they may throw another curve at us, and she could be someone else. Yeah. I mean, they they've done really well at that. Um, you know, we saw the build up of Fish Fish Mooney's character, yep. and then whoosh, she's gone. You know, and then we saw the doll maker. So he's kind of shown up. You know, when did we see the the clock? King. But is Fish Mooney, you know, is she gone for good? We don't know, because don't know. all we saw yeah. is her go over the side of a building. That's it. In, so. In the ocean. Yeah. Right? Do, do so. we need to bring up the Flash? Is that what you're saying? Over no, 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 no. no. Well, no. I love Gotham. Well, that's oh, okay. crazy so, I, you know, this, I, I haven't watched The Flash yet. For uh, that, so The Flash and the Arrow just came out this, this week. I know The Flash, this season, they're talking about uh, the multiverse is going to come into play. So... Uh, that could be really cool. Yeah, I only got to watch uh, a half of this first flash. Yeah, um, so D- I've got to finish it. The DC got uh, the DC Heroes of Tomorrow. That's going to be out. Supergirl is going to be out. I mean, I've already seen the pilot. The pilot's pretty good. You know, we've got these really dark DC shows. Supergirl's the opposite. Very light, and you have to with that character. I mean, let's let's face it. We've got a dark Superman in the movies. We need a light Supergirl. So if you've seen the pilot, let me ask this. It, the the vibe that I get when I see mm-hmm. the commercials for it, mm-hmm. it's almost kind of like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer type of a vibe I get. Like there's that kind of a there's that kind of an edge to it, you know. Well, I mean, Jessica was worried it was going to be a chick flick, you know, it, it, but it's not. Well, they play um, it off in the preview. Like they the kind of do. They do. Um, I don't know if there's enough to say yes or no on that. You you've kind of got, but you can see where I could gather that. You, you can, yeah. I mean, you've you've got this guy that's kind of their friends, and he's kind of helping her build the super suit. And you've got Jimmy Olsen that shows up and says, "Hey, your cousin." You know, I, I really hate how they they don't call him Superman; they just call him him or he. You know, they don't call him. You know, and uh, you know, even when she's describing him, she's like, "You know the story of my cousin." But here's my story, and it's like, just say Superman for crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, you kind of you have this guy up in the air with the cape flapping. It's a it's a silhouette, but you don't see Superman. Uh, you know, it's just like, come on, this is annoying. You know, and he hands this little girl, which is supposed to be Kara, to her new parents, which is Dean Cain and Helen Slater. Which you know, Dean Cain played Superman in Lois. Just, yeah. just now that Dean Cain's in it. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's it. He plays her dad. Her new adopted dad and Helen Slater, which played Supergirl in the movie, is her adoptive mother. But then you never see him again. You just see her sister. Um, So there's some really cool things. Again, they're dissing on gingers. You know, Jimmy Olsen is not a redheaded guy. You know, he's a football player. You know, he's an African-American football player looking guy. Really? Yeah. It's like, and and I I understand because most of the cast, you know, is Caucasian, and they're trying to throw some gender in there. They want to bring diversity. They want to bring diversity. Yeah, they want to bring diversity in. They're changing. I mean, that's why we got Lawrence Fishburne for Perry White. That's cool. I mean, I, well, I'm not against Fishburne that. Can do no wrong yeah. in my mind. So. I mean, you know, but why did you take out the ginger? Seriously, yeah. you're. I, I just see discrimination against gingers. Yes, I know I'm a ginger, <laughs> so I'm throwing that out there. But I, when the the episode was over. I was excited to watch it, you know, because I was a little worried. Because like, is this going to be hokey, you know? Because Lois and Clark was hokey, you know. We got that, or you know, I think we'll get a true Supergirl. Now, does it kind of convert to a Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Maybe because you know her sister is more than her sister. I'll leave it at that. You have to watch it, but you'll, there's kind of a tie in there. Um, so we'll see. Did anybody watch uh, 
Marvel Agents of Shield. Oh my gosh, I have oh. see, I, I I have not liked Marvel Agents of Shield, but I'm really liking where they're going. Oh, this this, this it, season. I don't have you. This, this I, I, watched, I watched I watched the was, latest episode today. Was, it was fantastic. Three, episode one. Or? The guy that's playing oh, Fitz, oh, three. That three, guy. Three. I I'm really loving Fitz. He needs he first needs, season. Needs. I was kind of, uh, Fitz and Simmons were kind of annoying to me. His devotion. Second, Second season, Fitz was like really annoying. It's like, come on, guy, just get yeah. over the fact that the girl is gone. Your brain isn't working the same way. Just get over it. Move on. But I've never seen a devoted now, character. Now, season three, so Fitz is a badass. And, and he, I mean, he, nothing will stop him. No, I mean, he, <laughs> literally, he, I mean, he goes up against like this terrorist guy, and he's just like, go, just like, and he's like, shoot me. Make the deal. Yeah, or make the deal. And it's like, what the crap happened to Fitz? <laughs> yeah. And it's all over a girl. Yeah. And it's like, dude, love this guy is awesome. A, make, love will make a guy do crazy things. I know. You know? I mean, you, it's. I really feel like they've got a solid thing going on. Um, they've kind of minimized the tie-in to the movies where they're just a passing suggestion where in the past the storyline has, de- you know, depended on, I mean, like season one. I had no clue what was going on until, you know, uh, Winter Soldier hit. And then you're like, oh, this now makes sense. You know, you had to go watch the movie. Now right. I like it where it's, you don't need to watch the movie to know what's going on I in the show. I think that might have been their, their plan was to, to establish it that way with yeah. the tie-in and then get people hooked. And you now they can just away. kind of break and do yeah, that. Well, I, I think it hurt them in the beginning. Oh, it did. It, it, but I it think... It was one of those, if yeah. you didn't... If you didn't like if you only watched the first three episodes and then you ditched and you didn't come back, you were just like, "Oh, that that show sucks," you know. Well, that, that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. I, you know, I'm like, "This just sucks." I went and watched Winter Soldier. I came back. I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna watch one more episode." And then I watched. Oh, okay. I'm like, "Oh, okay." And then I was okay. Season two, I watched, and then it kind of dipped again for me until Ultron. And then the Inhuman storyline came in, and then I really felt like they got their feet yeah. under him, and then that's when they started going on their own path. And then I'm like, okay, all right, I can deal with this. So, yeah, we got three minutes left. We've been on a roll. This is nice. awesome. Nice. I just like it. I love Agents of Shield. I've been there from yeah. the beginning. And Me too. Yeah. I yeah. So mainly, I'm a Coulson fan. I'll admit. I, I love Coulson. Love Coulson yeah. so much. All right, I'm going to throw this in real quick. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more. So Gamers End, they're doing their Chaos Draft uh, on Friday, October 9th. That's this Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, it's a $5 entry fee, uh, and the sign-up sheet will be posted starting. Uh, so it's already up. So you just run in. There's going to be 50 available spots. Uh, once all the spots get filled, you're out. Sorry. But uh, we'll be qualified for the highest distribution tier for Wizards of the Coast, which is awesome for uh, Gamers In. And uh, it's the same booster setup that you've always come to know. You know, it's 10 commons, 3 commons, a rare, and a land, and blah, blah, blah. So uh, build your 40 deck, come battle. There's prizes, goodies, and everything. I mean, they're saying there's magic goodies for everyone. So come join. Uh, Gamers In's at 1245 West Main Street in Lehigh. So that's where we broadcast every Thursday. Uh, it's our home, and yes, it does look like an inn inside, so that's why it's Gamer's Inn. It's not a tavern. Home sweet home. Yep. Yep. All right, so Coulson. I love this character. I mean, and I love the fact that Marvel is exploiting that. I mean, even in uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, the cartoon series, he's like mm-hmm. the principal. 
yeah. And and they have uh the same guy doing the voice for it and he I mean I just love the character. I mean he, you know, this last episode I was watching, you know, he's complaining to Fitz, he's like, I lost my hand and then May's gone and so I've lost my right, right. hand. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like he's you know, he's playing off of that. But even though he's got all these you know, he he has those weaknesses, those flaws, he's still moving forward. Even last season when he was kind of going crazy, he was still moving things forward and still being that great character. And he saw the flaws and the, the chaos that was going on and him trying to hold everything together. You know, and even this last episode where he's like, uh, you know, he's talking about these things like, yeah, that's why we don't put shield on the side of the yeah. vehicles anymore because it just seems like a giant target. And the one lady says, we got a giant eagle on top of our plane. our plane. He's like, yeah, there's just some things that are just too cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just like those little one-liners, which are awesome. So, all right. So we are out of time. Uh, join us next week as we have uh, author Ferret Steinmetz on the show talking about his latest novel. Yes, that's correct. His name is Ferret. Uh, he'll be on the show talking about his new book. And then the week after that, we'll have uh, David J. West joining, talking about his book. And we completely didn't talk about what movies to suggest. So uh, maybe we'll just write that down, throw that out on, on our Facebook page or something like that. So uh, with that said, we'll be back next week as always. And it sounds like so will Jared and Jessica. So um, Jessica 2 will be gone. Yeah. Jared, Jared 2 will be gone. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay. Hawk 4x4 will be gone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, he may come back. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sorry. For good, hopefully. Yeah. Jared and uh, Jessica just said don't get comfortable in your spot. So. Anyways, uh, we'll be back next week. And as always, follow us on Facebook. We're at DCR underscore show on Twitter, and there is more exciting stuff to come. So we will catch you next week. Have a good one.